My name is Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to BS with Bobby and Sarah, a podcast where each episode BS stands for something new as we discuss the world around us and learn new things, plain trivia involving stuff you don't even know you'd be interested to learn about. Usually. Usually. Yeah, sometimes you could not care less about our stories or trivia, but you continue to listen anyway because it's better to have some background noise rather than just (laughs) doing the dishes in complete silence like some weirdo. (laughs) What are you, from the 1950s? (laughs) Yes, and welcome to episode 33. Today, BS is going to stand for Book Smarts because for today's game, Sarah, you are going to have to determine what is the last sentence from famous books in literature. Oh, is it going to be multiple choice or I have to just like come up with whatever the sentence is? You think I would make you tell me what the last sentence of a book is? I know you're not that well read. Oh, ouch, Bobby. Damn. (laughs) We have Lord of the Rings. We got Harry Potter. We got Dickens. We've got the Bible. So stick around for that. Okay. All right. We're also going to talk about the resolution I've kept up for over a year. A Japanese word that describes most people I know and probably you yourself. And Sarah, you're going to mention something about caskets. Am I reading that right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Then why don't you just jump right into it? Because I'm dying to hear. Ah, (laughs) that was good. Very good. Yes. These are caskets or AKA coffins where you forever sleep. Um, (laughs) Are Are you telling people what a casket is? I think most people know. Well, what if the one person doesn't? They're like, oh, thank you. I would have been over to here like, what? Baskets? <laughs> Are they new to the English language? Um, <laughs> casket. Do you know the difference between a casket and a coffin? Are you going to tell us that? Didn't know there was a difference. I thought it was just what you called it. How do you know? Do you know? I don't, but I'm going to look it up. There's got to be a difference. <laughs> I um, don't think so. I'm banking on no. I think it's just another word. Kind of like tomato, tomato. Tomato and tomato are the same word, pronounced differently. <laughs> I mean, differently. damn it, Bobby. <laughs> so apparently the difference is that coffins have six sides. Oh, like a vampire. Yeah. A casket is that big rectangle, and then the coffin is like in old-timey movies where it's more tapered towards mm-hmm. the top. Okay, yeah. So which one yep, are you yep. going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about caskets, just the rectangle. Okay, go on. All right, so can, can do you know about the average of how much a casket costs? I'm going to go with $3,000. Okay, you're not too off. It's $2,000. I don't know why I was thinking it was way more than that, but it got me thinking like what's the what's like the most expensive coffin cuz I'm assuming that there are some people that like just go way out of their I don't know, out of their minds about it. <laughs> Because um, remember that one time we were having a conversation, I was like, you know what, just take a refrigerator box and put me in that. <laughs> I don't really care. I don't remember that, but it is good. always good to refresh my memory about your burial wishes. <laughs> BS stands for burying Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> just not yet, please. <laughs> don't bury me. Uh, would you like to venture a guess as to what the most expensive casket out there is? I actually have no idea because there could be some asshole billionaire that wants his casket to be covered in gold with rhinestones just because they don't want anyone else to have their wealth and they want the record. So someone could spend okay. 50000 There could be someone who wants to spend $200,000 on a casket that has, I don't even know. Okay. All right. Well, you 
the materials, that is a really good, um, a really good point. There's the most expensive casket, at least that I found in my, in my search was, is $217,000 and it's in Malaysia. It's Malaysian. It's made out of 14 karat gold. Like the, the what whole did I tell thing. You? They want to become <laughs> a modern day King Tut. Yeah. It's a, it's in a, it's been in a coffin exhibition in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Apparently there's exhibitions of coffins. I didn't even know that. I was just like, this is actually pretty cool. I mean, they are. You can use so many different materials, woods, metals, embellishments. I guess it could be like an art form. Um, it didn't spe- it didn't say that it was made for anyone specifically. So that was like my question. It's like, so who gets to get buried in that, you know? It could have just been some artist. Possibly, yeah. Some Malaysian artist that was like, you know what? I'm going to, I've got a bunch of money. Let's make this art. Put in a museum. <laughs> and then some rich person is going to see that and say, oh, well, I want to be buried in that. Yeah. I mean, some people do just rent caskets, too. So I could see maybe someone being like, you know what? For my very fancy funeral, come and see in awe at my casket surrounded in gold. Anyone who is going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to rent that thing probably has the money to just buy it. Ooh. What? <laughs> what made you think about casket prices in the first place i honestly don't know i've always been kind of fascinated with the whole like dying and how my funeral okay sarah was having an emo phase at 2 a.m again i get it i get it (laughs) it's like i'm just very curious about that stuff and like is it worth paying all that much like why do we why is it even expensive to die like like that's just one more thing you have to worry about you know it doesn't have to be that's the thing funeral homes Definitely try to squeeze out all the money from the grieving family. Basically, why does a dead person care what they were buried in? They're dead. Mm-hmm. You could right. spend, let's say, $200 on a pine box. Like, why is anyone spending $2,000 on a casket, especially when they're getting cremated? Right, right. But well, the funeral home will push for that because that's their big money maker, And it's kind of scummy because they're taking advantage of people in their grief and be like, well, don't you want to give this person a good send off? Yeah. So. Right. And then the whole like, oh, well, you can save some of these ashes and put it in a necklace and you can have them forever around your neck. And Oh, you can't. You don't want to put these ashes in a $100 urn. Here's a $750 urn. <laughs> I do know there's a woman on YouTube. I think it's Ask a Mortician. And she Ooh. talks about like like the cheap cheapest way to have a funeral. Oh, really? Dying shouldn't be expensive. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. So here are the ways to do it. Oh, that's kind of cool. That is very cool. One of my cousins actually wanted to be a mortician. I don't know why she changed her mind, though. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask her and find out. That's silent, I, I just so had nowhere crazy. else to go with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's another really high-priced... Um, casket that i wanted to mention because this one is a socialite who it was gifted to her when they thought she was dying <laughs> but she pulled through <laughs> uh jaja gabor was gifted a 24 karat gold casket worth forty thousand dollars okay that's the price of like a nice mid-range suv for the afterlife uh-huh. yep for the afterlife and i was definitely that's what i compared it to was a really nice car yeah i guess anything really can be like hiked up you know for price for whatever reason i just thought it was funny that it's like the person doesn't necessarily get to enjoy 
the whole lavishness of it, you know, because like they're dead in it. Exactly. And that's why it's a waste. And that's why funerals are for the living. They're not for the dead. Oh, that's a good way of thinking of it. Um, A funeral can cost anywhere from $1,500 to $15,000. And then if you want, like, unless you want the full cremation service, then it's like $6,260, which that's not that much of a difference. I mean, what's the full cream? What do they mean by full cremation? You're only going to do half of it? (laughs) I'm wondering if it involves not a service part of it. (laughs) Only do half of it. That just (laughs) sunk into my brain what you just said. Well done versus full char. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, that's so gross. <laughs> Ew. Well, this was a very morbid way to start off the show. So if anyone is still with us, we're now going to be talking about <laughs> books for the rest of the episode. Oh boy. <laughs> Moving on. Nice product. The fact that today's game is about books stems from the first thing I wanted to talk about, which was that One and a half months into the new year, I've kept my New Year's resolution, Mm -hmm. but from last year. Oh, so you kept it going. You renewed your New Year resolution. Good for you. What is it? So going on 14 months, it's literally the only resolution I've ever kept, and that was to read at least one book a month. Whoa, that's a really good one. Which seems simple, but if you're like me and mostly read before bed, lots of times you doze off before you get more than a few pages in, even though you're enjoying the book. Yeah, that's why I can't read you know? before bed. It, it's exactly what happens. I just fall asleep. And that led me to learn a Japanese word. Have you ever heard of sundoku? I've heard of sudoku. Not the same thing at all. Okay. What's sundoku? Sun- Sundoku is the Japanese word for acquiring books, but letting them pile up in your house without reading them. Oh, boy. So basically book hoarding. <laughs> do you do that? Uh, not really. Okay. I think everyone listening is kind of now thinking if it relates to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I have literally 30 National Geographics I've been meaning to get around to for like a decade. Uh-huh. The articles look interesting, which is why I've kept them around. But there's so many other things to read, yes. so much TV to binge. But for the most part, I don't like to have too much book clutter. Right. I agree. About it. But the word Sundoku, it originates from the Meiji era, which is late 1800s to early 1900s. Okay. And I think most people right now are asking themselves, is is that me? Is that me? <laughs> do I do that? Yeah. What? How many books is too many books? You know what? How, at what point is it this word? I mean, I think that's a personal question, and everyone has their own number. But if you keep acquiring them mm-hmm. without reading, if you keep buying more and more books before getting to other ones, then yeah, it's probably Sundoku. Oh, okay. I don't think I have Sundoku then. So I think we should all try and combat that if we do have it by finishing just one book a month, mm. and also. I'm not one to hoard the books once I've read them. Right. Reading them is actually motivation for me to get through the book so I can donate it and clear up some space on my shelves for like little little statues and trinkets. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it because then you can kind of, yeah, clear the space and have something else move in. (laughs) I got a lot of knickknacks from my travels. I got like lots of Buddha statues from Thailand and I've got Olmec head statues from Mexico. I got a lot of statues. Cool. But when I'm done reading those books and I donate them... I like to donate them to the free little library book exchanges oh, I've seen that I've those. noticed popping up around the neighborhood when I walk the dog. Oh, 
I have definitely seen those. I've got I've used two. So why don't you describe them for for people who have no idea what it is? Okay, so there's these little um it's almost like a mailbox, but it's not a mailbox. It's like a tiny little house or a square um shelf or box that people it's like put a tiny little, little bookcase book yeah, yeah shaped a bookcase like a that's the word yes it is usually shaped like a little house yeah it's freaking adorable and it has like a little um not glass usually like a pla- a clear plastic slider thing or a, or a thing you can lift to get the books just so that they're weather protected most of the time it is shaped like a little house it's a bookcase in front of people's properties with a clear door so people can see that there's books in there. It's mm-hmm. a book exchange. It's like take a penny, leave a penny, yes, but for books. exactly. Yep. There mm-hmm. are 90,000 of them registered throughout 91 countries. Ooh. The first one was built in 2009 by a guy in Wisconsin as a tribute to his late mother, who was a school teacher. Oh, my heart. Which I think is really sweet. And they're some are geared towards children, um, but most of the ones around me are full of old adult books like biographies and books on boats in World War II and oh. Dan Brown novels. Cool. <laughs> and at the beginning of the pandemic, one of them was turned into a pantry for people in need. And that's where I dropped off like 20 tea bags of a really nasty ginger tea that I tried once and oh. did not enjoy one bit. That sucks. I love ginger tea. I wonder mm, if it was just a was... bad batch of it. <laughs> no, it was just the bad tea. <laughs> It was not good at all. It was like ginger lemon, but way too spicy. Okay, yeah, yeah. When it's way too strong, that can that can definitely ruin a tea. Well, hopefully someone else r- enjoyed it. Exactly. And also, last week I dropped off an unopened jar of crunchy peanut butter that I mistakenly bought because mm. we are a creamy household and crunchy had to be evicted. <laughs> but back to books. If right. you are interested, there is a website you can look up to see if there's one n- near your neighborhood. So get to reading those books, and then when you're done, donate them Absolutely. to your little neighborhood book exchange at littlefreelibrary.org to see if there's one near you. Oh, that would be awesome. And then you could help someone like me who one day was walking the client's dog and came across one of those little those little free libraries. I was perusing to see which if I wanted to read one, and I found a copy of twilight's like you know uh, eclipse the third book which is the one that yeah. i'm missing because i bar- i lent it to a friend and then she never gave it back and now like so i found it i was like oh my set is complete now but then the thing is like do i even need it because i don't plan on reading them again <laughs> okay so you do have sundoku if you're you know keeping holding on to those books that you're not going to read but it's just that series because you're busted I have- <laughs> you're busted it's not even a good series i don't know why you would keep that i don't know it was it, it marked a, a a piece of my childhood or youth, I should say. And and there's some know. things you can let go, like garbage literature. <laughs> that you're not, okay. The thing is, you're not even going to reread it. No, but now I'm so even it's... more super embarrassed to tell you what my book of the month is. <laughs> the one you're currently reading? Yes. Go on, go on. <laughs> okay, so the author, um, what was it? Stephanie Meyer. So when she wrote the Twilight Saga, a little bit afterward, she was going to come out with another book called New Moon. And this one was kind of, it was basically the first book, but from the point of view of Edward. So it's literally the same story from a different POV (laughs) is trying to cash in even more. Yeah. And it was, excuse me, but um, did you ever even read them? Did you read the books? Yeah, I did. In Korea, because someone told me they were good. So I literally, and they gave me their copies i lugged them all the way to south korea and then 
because I didn't have any other English literature with me, I read all of them <laughs> my first few months in Korea because I was all alone. I had nothing else to do. Well, spoiler alert, um, Edward is able to read minds. So I find it fascinating that she would write it from his point of view because maybe we're getting a whole bunch of others of other information that we didn't really think of throughout the first books, you know, in the first or series. Or care about. Or care about. Well, I cared about it. So anyway, her part of her manuscript when she was writing this was leaked. And so she like got mad and then didn't release the book. And so now years, years later, she finished it and published it. And so that's what I'm reading is New Moon. Pardon, pardon. It's called Midnight Sun. And that's my book of the month. <laughs> now I have to ask you, are you actually reading it or are you listening to the audiobook? Because I know you listen to audiobooks. I do. Maybe possibly more than reading using them big brown eyes of yours. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I do. I, I do listen to way more audiobooks than actually reading books. Um, this one, though, is reading because for my book of the month, I do want to read an actual okay. book. Which is good because I put up a poll on our Twitter last week. And the question was, listening to an audiobook is consuming literature, but is it quote unquote reading? And what do you think the poll results were, Sarah? I'm going to say that no, I don't that they're not considered reading because reading is reading a book. Like So you th- you think 100% of people said, agreed, that listening to audiobooks is not reading? Yes. It was 80% agreed. So there's 20% of people <laughs> mm-hmm. for some reason think that listening to an audiobook is reading. Like when you put it that way, that's how, I, that's what I would answer, I guess now is um, it's not reading. But because when you have the option consuming of literature. consuming literature, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other way. I prefer to consume literature because of the way that my lifestyle is right now. It's just easier for me, like when I'm on a long drive. Mm-hmm. I understand. And that. one of the reasons I think I had told you is because I read slow. Like I, I, it's it's pretty bad how slow I read. <laughs> and sometimes you're reading a lot, but it's not actually reading. Like I'm not watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and saying, "Oh, I just spent the last two hours." reading because i'm watching a movie <laughs> right <laughs> oh what did you do this weekend i'd be like oh i read avatar I'm like <laughs> you mean you read the subtitles that doesn't count that's watching <laughs> you watched a movie but what if you read the script then that's that is completely different but not if you listen to an audiobook about the script <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Well, anyway, speaking of audiobooks, this episode is sponsored by... Just kidding. No free promo until they pay me my money. (laughs) Oh. I I got really excited. I was like, oh, we have a sponsor? (laughs) You were just excited for money in your pocket. I won't say no to money, though. If you don't have anything else, I'm just going to segue into the game. Sure. Segue away. Okay. Is that why they call them a segue? The little... You mean the the transportation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is where Carla would say, I have to take a picture of your stupid face. <laughs> okay, then. Let's segue away um, again. I prefer an actual physical book because nothing is better than finishing a book ah. and letting the last sentence of a story just sit with you as you close the cover. Yes, I reflect do. Reflect upon really. that journey you just completed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What an accomplishment. Sometimes it's poignant and sometimes it's not. You know, they say first impressions are everything. Yeah. But it's also that the last impression is also important. 
So Sarah, now is the game portion of the show because in this game, you are going to have to correctly identify the last sentence in some famous books in literature. All right. We're going to switch it up this episode. It's no longer about you hitting a target number to win. You are going to try and do your best and then our listeners are going to have to try and score higher than you. Ooh. So it's basically you against the listeners. And if no one reaches out saying they beat you, well, then you can just assume probably incorrectly, that you won. <laughs> so it's great for everyone. So mean. <laughs> okay. So let's get started with question number one. Lois Lowry's classic book read by school children across the country, a favorite of both of ours, mm-hmm. actually, The Giver. Yes. Sarah, give us a quick synopsis of the story, even though it's probably been decades since you read it. I just want to hear you struggle. Oh, oh God, you're yeah. so mean about it. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so the giver. You have 20 seconds. The giver Go. is about uh, this whole other world dystopian probably. And there's a kid and he, they get assigned jobs at a certain age. And his job is to be the giver, which is only like one position in the whole town. And this person is, um, is, is, is charged with all of the memories of what life was before. Um, because in wow. this world, they don't have color. They don't, they, babies aren't even, they're like assigned to families. You don't even have your own babies. They're just like, they have a, that's one of the jobs that they give is for one of like, you, you are, you're a birther. You just give birth to kids. Like that's okay. your job. Wow. Great, great <laughs> job. I actually wish I could give you a point, but. Oh, yay. <laughs> I said, I wish I could, but I can't. Sorry. <laughs> that is actually a really good synopsis of the book. Cool. I'm sure most people have an idea about the story, but can you tell me what is the last sentence in The Giver? Okay. Is it, he no longer cared about himself, Okay. but perhaps it was only an echo. Okay. Finally, there was an entire day and night when they did not come at all. Or was it, Jonas felt more and more certain that the destination lay ahead of him, very near now in the night that was approaching. Oh, I think it was, I think it's the third one. Finally, there was an entire day and night when they did not come at all. Yes. Incorrect. That was actually the end of chapter 21 of 23. He no longer cared about himself was the end of chapter 22. Oh, no. The correct answer was, but perhaps it was only an echo. Oh, man, that was my second choice. Dang it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I actually pulled this book from my bookshelf to find the last sentence. Something else I found was my sister's name written on the inside cover. So sorry, Jill. I got your copy of the book, and you're not getting it back. (laughs) Question number two. In episode 31, we discussed ambergris, which is, let's say a whale intestinal byproduct expelled from the body, the same as feces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worth m- hundreds of dollars. Yeah, because it's used in fragrances. But why don't we discuss the most famous book about whale hunting? Moby Dick? Moby Dick. What is the last sentence in Moby Dick? Well, I've never read it, so this is going to be just a shot in the dark. A shot in the ocean dark. With a harpoon, like <laughs> trying to kill a whale. <laughs> is it... Call me Ishmael. Thus, I give up the spear. The waning moonlight shimmered off the turbulent water as the Leviathan slipped below the surface. Or, it is not down in any map. True places never are. Hmm, I like that. That one. That should be the last one. 
it is not down in any map. True places never are. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. That's actually Ishmael's commentary on the name of a Polynesian island. It is not the last sentence in the book. Oh, but it's so poetic. I know. That's why I chose it. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) As many people might have heard, Call Me Ishmael, Mm -hmm. very famous opening of the book. It's the first sentence. Oh, okay. That's the first sentence. One I made up completely was the waning moonlight shimmering (laughs) off the turbulent water. So the final sentence is when Ahab shouted at Moby Dick as he threw his last harpoon. Thus, I give up the spear. I mean, it makes sense now. What do you think about it? He's like, okay, I'm done. Like, give it up. Spoiler alert. He doesn't win. (laughs) (laughs) The whale hunter didn't get the whale. (laughs) I'm not mad. (laughs) Question number three. Okay, so Moby Dick is 170 years old. So how about something more recent and not so dramatic? (laughs) A humorous autobiography, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Oh, I love her. Now, this is not a case of anyone would know the answer. Okay. So you kind of just have to get a a good sense of what you think it might be. Mm -hmm. Okay. The options are, I can't remember what it was exactly, except it was dirty and loud and unladylike. Okay. I don't care if you like it. (laughs) I was a cable news star, like a shark or a missing white child. (laughs) Did I mention that I'm the worst? Oh, man. Or, if you have an opinion, please feel free to offer it to me through the gap in the door of a public restroom everyone else does. (laughs) Okay, I need to stop this whole ending with the last one. These are good. I can hear her saying all of these. You got the unlady, like you got the I don't care if you like mm-hmm. it. White missing child cable news star. Is she the worst or does she want uh, opinions given to her through a public restroom? Hmm. I don't know if she would end it on like, oh, man. I think that I told you I told you I was the worst. Did I mention that I'm the worst? Yeah, yeah. You kind of got to think about her humor. So think about 30 Rock. Of course, she'd probably end it on a joke. Yeah. And so she talks about the opinion, offer it to her through a gap in the door of a public restroom because everyone else does. Oh, is that her? Is that the last one then? That was the final sentence in her book. And I didn't want to go with the last one. Dang it. But it felt right. It felt very fey. Very fey, did you say? Yeah. Tina fey. Oh, fey as in fairy? No, Faye is a Tina. No, 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 no. This is a seg- This is another segue. <laughs> oh, okay. Faye. Lots of times, elves can be described as Faye. I've I've never heard of that word before. Lots of times, elves can be described as Faye because Faye kind of means like a fairy. Oh. Like mythical creature, and so there are elves in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That I did know. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the last book is The Return of the King. Sarah, what is the last sentence in the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I'm back, bitches. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) The old man did not appear again, and the horses did not return. Clear sky was growing in the east once more. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. Or is it? And I will begin the tale, though others shall end it. Mm, I think it's the third one. The one that you alluded to, jokingly alluded to. I'm back, bitches. Yes. (laughs) 
That's correct. The last two sentences, actually, because I had to make them. I had to expand on it to make it sense. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. Woohoo! We're doing a dance. Nice job. You nerd. You got this one right. <laughs> the old man did not appear again, and the horses did not return. Was from Two Towers. That was oh. well early in the book. I think the chapter was called Riders of Rohan. Clear sky was growing in the east once more is also from Two Towers. And then I will begin the tale, mm -hmm. though others shall end it, was from the Fellowship of the Ring Ooh. when at the Council of Elrond, they were telling this tale of the ring with Sauron and the Rings of Power. So you actually sussed it out correctly. Nice job. Good sussing. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Another very popular series. Question number five, Harry Potter. Now, I really wanted to include Harry Potter, but looking at the last sentence of book seven is very obvious that it was the end of the series. Okay. Because that sentence is, the scar had not pained Harry for 19 years. All was well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But that is from the epilogue. So what is the last sentence from the main story? Because you got the prologue, you got an epilogue, okay. and the middle bit is called... I don't know. What is it called? The main the, story. The, the log. <laughs> the main story. <laughs> the, log. the middle log. <laughs> so what is the last sentence of the main story of book seven of Harry Potter? Okay. And together they walked back through the gateway to the muggle world. Okay. I've had enough trouble for a lifetime. There was a note pinned to it, just in case. Or... Heavy, irresistible waves of dreamless sleep broke over him. He fell back onto his pillow and thought no more. Ooh. Book seven, The Deathly Hallows. Mm, I'm going to say, oh my gosh, those all sound very, very hairy. Um, I think the I've had, no, I feel like that one should be it, but I don't think that's it. I think it's the, the, the pinned note. There was a note pinned to it, mm -hmm. just in case. Yes. You were close earlier. There was a note pinned to it, just in case. Was a chapter ending in book one, The Sorcerer's Stone, talking about the invisibility cloak. So oh, you were as far away as you could no. have been from book seven. <laughs> and I've just consumed that in that literature because I've been listening mm -hmm. to them on audiobook. I'm on the fifth one right now. And together they walked back through the gateway to the muggle world was... That was the end of book number two, Chamber of Secrets. The one about dreamless sleep was a chapter ending about a potion Mrs. Weasley gave to him to help him sleep after the traumatic events of Cedric's death in yeah, Goblet of Fire. That's why I knew it wasn't that one, because that one sounded very familiar. And I was like, then I, I just finished number four. So, yeah. So, I've had enough trouble for a lifetime is the final sentence Damn in the it. main story of book seven of Harry Potter. Oh. Before the epilogue, 19 years later. <laughs> oh, damn it. Okay. All right. Question number six. This might be surprising to learn. It's now been 20 episodes since I moved away from Chicago. Whoa. And since we record in two separate parts of the country, Sarah, tell me, what is the last sentence in Charles Dickens's... A Tale of Two Cities? A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You're right on there. I should get a point for guessing the titles. <laughs> <laughs> is it? They're long ones, so get ready. Some of them can be. Okay. I took her hand in mine, and we went out of the ruined place. And as the morning mist had risen long ago, when I first 
left the forge, so the evening mists were rising now, and in all the broad expanse of tranquil light they showed me, I saw the shadow of no parting from her. Whoa, you weren't kidding. They are long. Yeah, that was all the first one. Or is it, it is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Oh. I believe it nonetheless that Nook is in a church and she was weak and erring. Or is it, my love was founded on a rock, but we were at home and the trodden leaves were lying underfoot and the autumn wind was blowing. See, any of those, if these are... if. Any of those are from the book. Now I kind of want to read it. <laughs> I haven't read it, but I think I'm going to go with number two only because I have heard that line. It's a far, far better thing in a movie called A Simple Wish. And uh, they're doing a play of, of A Tale of Two Cities. And one of the and the understudy is singing like dramatically in the background. It's a far, far better thing than I do now. Anyway, so I think... I'm going to go with that one just because that's the only connection I have to A Tale of Two Cities and that line. Incredible. You did not get easier ones, but a question I expected you to have zero chance of getting correct. You got correct because <laughs> apparently you know classical literature. <laughs> the final oh, no. sentence of A Tale of Two Cities is, it is a far, far better thing that I do that I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I've ever known. Wow. And it's beautiful. No wonder it's a classic. And you said you liked any of those quotes. And I have mm -hmm. to tell you, you have a lot of Charles Dickens to read because they were all the last words of other works by Charles Dickens. The long ass one about taking her hand in mind, that was yeah. from Great Expectations. Tiny Tim, most people know that. That might have been an easy giveaway. Mm -hmm. That was A Christmas Carol. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of it, but I was like, it sounds like something Christmassy or something. Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge. I believe it nonetheless because that nook is in a church and she was we weak and erring was from Oliver Twist and my love was founded on a rock but we were at home trodden leaves autumn wind blowing that is David Copperfield the story not the magician <laughs> I definitely thought of the magician <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy and shocked that you got that right I mean I oh, really thought you. there was zero chance that anyone knew that but I just had to include it because of the very dumb and weak link of Two Cities connection to our show. <laughs> so I, st I had to go for it. I found it very, very appropriate. <laughs> question seven, our final question. Sarah? Yeah? We are getting to the book of all books. And no, I'm not talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm talking about the Bible. <laughs> I haven't even read those. <laughs> The, the Bible? Bible? No. <laughs> no, the Fifty Shade books. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. Huh? Yes. Oh, actually, obviously, the very, very last sentence of the Bible is just amen. Oh, is it? So what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't read the Bible, dude. Who's read the whole Bible? <laughs> so what is the penultimate or second to last sentence? Okay. So I... I'll give you the I will give you the sentence and I will be ending every every one of them with amen. Okay. Also, I got to mention this is the King James version because that is the one that I knew and grew up with as a Catholic. Gotcha. Okay. All right, here are your options. 
Why did you have to wait to find me? Amen. Mm-hmm. Bring me to life. Amen. Hold on to me. Never let me go. Okay. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Mm-hmm. Take my hand. Pull me up. Don't let go. Amen. Okay. Crap. A lot of these sound like songs. <laughs> <laughs> like I swear there's an evanescence in there. <laughs> Bring me to life. Um what was the first one? Why did you have to wait to find me? Amen. And you're and none of and are, are you sure? Okay, let's see. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> what was the third one? Hold on to me. Never let me go. Amen. I swear, these are all songs, but I think I'm going to go with the third one. Hold on to me. Never let me go. Uh Uh-huh. That is from a Nickelback song called (laughs) Far Away. (laughs) Sarah, they are all song lyrics, except for the very obvious, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Oh, I thought you were trying to trick me (laughs) you absolutely sussed out bring me to life by evanescence (laughs) why did you have to wait to find me was from the fray okay you found me (laughs) and then the last one i read to you that Mm -hmm. should have sent off warning bells right away it's from it's a lyric from your own song i wondered Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> it is the lyric from Off the Wagon by your band, A Day in February. Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> Which Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> also wraps up to the fact that it is a day in February it and is. has been for a while and will be for a few more days. It is. It is. <laughs> that is right. All the correct options were actual song lyrics. <laughs> So Take My Hand, Pull Me Up, Don't Let Go was from A Day in February. Mm -hmm. Your first band was Big Brown Eyes. Yeah, which you mentioned earlier. Didn't you bring that up? Exactly. I made a reference (laughs) on purpose earlier. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, you're sneaky. Very subliminal. sprinkling little breadcrumbs throughout the entire episode. Oh, my gosh. I actually searched everywhere for clips of Big Brown Eyes music because I'm sure you'd sent it to me before. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where they could be, but... (laughs) In searching for them, I pulled up an email about your first performance, <gasps> and it was February 20, 20th, yeah. 2010. So that's coming up on 11 years ago. Holy monkey. I was going to say nice job on the game, but that last question was real bad. So. <laughs> it was real bad. It was so obvious. <laughs> you got two out of seven correct. So listeners, what? I hope you did better than Sarah. I seriously only got two? Yeah, you only got A Tale of Two Cities (laughs) and Lord of the Rings. Oh, well then. (laughs) I think Uh, it's because I was having way too much fun. I thought that I just was a winner on all of them. Well, I hope everyone listening had fun, even though we're talking about books. We're all just nerds together. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Listeners, if you did get more than Sarah, reach out and tell us how you did. Our Twitter and Instagram is at BS with BS Podcast. And in closing, Sarah, pick a number between 1 and 32. Uh, 27. All right. In that case, listeners, if you want more BS, check out episode number 27. Nice. Nice. Where we discuss some of the most ridiculous national food holidays you've ever heard of, such as 
crab stuffed flounder day <laughs> in that episode so we also specific. talk about the word we created to mean chipmunk in spanish oh yes mm-hmm. and sarah discusses her baking anxiety which if you follow us on social media you'll see she kind of got over it recently perhaps right at least that one time i've only done it once so if you want to support the show tell a friend to check us out and give us a listen also leave a rating and review on apple podcasts i don't think many people know this but sarah needle points every rating (laughs) and review onto a massive quilt (laughs) for me to boost my ego so why don't you put her to work That's right. I got to go get more needles and points. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I'm Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And this has been some BS. Amen.